the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. The Gulf South. It's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today, especially if you're watching us on WLAE TV, Catholic Life TV. Facebook, YouTube, and the many other platforms that we have for you today. And a wonderful day before Thanksgiving. I hope you're getting ready for a great day tomorrow. Let's get our day started off with prayer, if you don't mind joining me today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious God, whose servant Cecilia served you in song, grant us to join her hymn of praise to you in the face of all adversity and to suffer gladly for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our saint of the day today is Saint Cecilia. We will learn more about her later on during our saint of the day, right after the gospel. But we have a wonderful lineup for you today. Starting off, we have events in our listening area we will give you details about. And I know that a lot of organizations across the country are getting ready for Giving Tuesday, which is next Tuesday, and talking about I Give Catholic. So think about those nonprofits and organizations that you can give back during the season of giving. It's an important day for a lot, lot of organizations. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Peter Finney joins us. He's the editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today he will join us to give us an update of what you'll be finding in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Dr. Stephen Duran joins us. He's a Catholic author, and today he's talking about his book called To Die Well, A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to the End of Life. Quite an interesting topic. I know one that a lot of people have been discussing for such a long time, so looking forward to speaking to Dr. Duran. And in 48 minutes, Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. He's a professor of dogmatic theology over at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans, and we are continuing our discussion for our Catholic 101 segment, but today we're talking about the church doctors. Who are they? Why do we have them? So he's going to be answering all of our questions, and he is also the president of the St. Louis IX Art Society, so I did want to throw that out there because that is one organization that is just exploding with Catholic artists um, and really talking about... um, you know, Catholic and sacred art in the home. So basically theology of the home. So looking forward to speaking to Dr. Haddad today about this wonderful topic on church doctors, um, something that I actually don't know much about. I know probably the basics of it, but we'll answer all of your questions that you have for him as well. 
So looking forward to a wonderful day today. And don't forget, like I said, I Give Catholic is happening next Tuesday on Giving Tuesday. That's November 28th. It's an online day of giving 24 hours. You can go to igivecatholic.org. And not only is it along the Gulf Coast region, but it's all across the country. So you can go and Search for an organization that is raising money for things like I, I think I saw the other day that it was someone was raising money to help uh, paint or repaint murals in their church. So to maintain that, uh, new windows, lights in the parking lot, a new bathroom in the back of church. So things to help build schools, uh, be a part of schools and churches and stuff like that. So IGiveCatholic.org is a wonderful way to give back to the community during Giving Tuesday. So definitely go and check that out. We have your gospel coming up right after the break. Stay with us. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. Wednesday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 19. While people were listening to Jesus speak, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God would appear there immediately. So he said, A nobleman went off to a distant country to obtain the kingship for himself and then to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten gold coins and told them, Engage in trade with these until I return. His fellow citizens, however, despised him and sent a delegation after him to announce, We do not want this man to be our king. But when he returned after obtaining the kingship, he had the servants call to whom he had given the money to learn what they had gained by trading. The first one came forward and said, Sir, your gold coin has earned ten additional ones. He replied, Well done, good servant. You have been faithful in this very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Then the second came and reported, Your gold coin, sir, has earned five more. And to this servant, too, he said, You take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it stored away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you were a demanding man. You take up what you did not lay down, and you harvest what you did not plant. He said to him, With your own words I shall condemn you, you wicked servant. You knew I was a demanding man, taking up what I did not lay down and harvesting what I did not plant. Why did you not put my money in a bank? Then on my return I would have collected it with interest. And to those standing by he said, Take the gold coin from him and give it to the servant who has ten. But they said to him, Sir, he has ten gold coins. He replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now as for those enemies of mine who did not want me as their king, bring them here and slay them before me. After he had said this, he proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. The parable of the ten gold coins in today's gospel is similar to the parable of the talents reported in Matthew's gospel. The ten gold coins each had a value equivalent to a working man's wage for four months. Jesus used this parable to correct misunderstandings about his enthronement and the establishment of his kingdom. First, the parable hints that Jesus will be enthroned in the heavenly Jerusalem, not in the earthly city. 
Secondly, it indicates that Jesus will be absent for a time before he returns to judge his enemies and settle accounts with his servant. In this finely developed parable, we can discover three layers. First, the historical background recalls how the Herodian rulers, the evil Herod the Great and his degenerate offspring, courted Rome in their lust to gain ruling authority. Local rule, like the high priesthood, had become merely a commodity to be acquired by bribes made to Roman rulers. Two, morally, Jesus emphasized the need of diligence and responsibility. He expects his disciples to be faithful in his absence. Fear and insecurity will not excuse laziness or the lack of productivity. And three, theologically, Jesus will ascend to the Father to receive his kingdom, not to the earthly Jerusalem. However, he will return in power to judge those who rejected his royal authority. God's judgment on Jerusalem and its temple in 70 AD, when it was destroyed by Roman legions, was a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus' second coming in glory when he will judge everyone at the end of time. The expression, slay them before me, in the last verse points to the terrible fall of Jerusalem and the great loss of life that occurred there. The Jewish historian Josephus estimated that 1.2 million Jews died during this Jewish rebellion. May our country repent, lest we suffer a disgraceful collapse. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Father Chris Decker and Jimmy Sagers, for today's gospel and reflection. It is 12 past the hour on Wake Up. We're so glad that you are joining us today, and we have some events in our listening area we want to give you details about. You know, we were talking before the break that this is the season of giving, and you guys, if it's not cold where you are right now, it's about to get cold. And the St. Catherine of Siena Co-op and Knights of Columbus will once again participate in the annual Coats for Kids Drive. The KCs will be collecting new and lightly used winter coats at every Mass on the weekend of November 24th and 25th. That is coming up this weekend. Collection bins for the coats will be available in the Narthex, and the co-op will also be collecting through the school carpool line on November 29th. That is next Wednesday. So I can't imagine not having a coat, especially during the winter season. Um, and I know where uh, some of our listeners are, it's already snowing. So uh, definitely go and maybe clean out your closet a little bit and those coats that don't fit the kids anymore you have to go and buy them new ones give the gently used ones to the coat drive well if you have an event that you want to promote on our website you can do that absolutely free you can submit your event at ccmedia.live click on events and news and then click on submit your event and so many of you guys have been doing this i get so many emails and, and i put all of the events on our website it is so looked at on our website highly highly viewed uh, but it's free and it's free advertisement for your church parish as well now we promote it on our morning show like we do, uh, like we did just now at St. Catherine of Siena in Metairie. And uh, you never know who needs to look at that retreat, that festival, uh, or wants to just spend time with the family in their area and wants to find something to do, especially this time of year. 
Uh, so if you have that Advent mission you have coming up or that morning day of reflection, morning day of prayer, or maybe that grief ministry you think a lot of people will be uh, able to utilize or need at this moment in time, especially during the holidays, then send it to us absolutely free again at ccmedia.live. One of the things that I'm a proponent of is social media. Now, I think I've talked for such a long time on my love-hate relationship on social media, but why not follow an account that just spreads good news and good vibes and the love of the Lord, and that is us, Catholic Community Media. So you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads, because we are on threads. We keep up with the trends these days, Catholic Community Media. You can follow us on there. And of course, we're still on X because there needs to be someone that's happy on X. You can follow us at LA Catholic Media. Um, And we just promote good stuff, you know, church news and happiness and prayerful quotes and anything that can get you started on the right foot. So follow us on social media today. Well, we have your Saint of the Day coming up, and Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald will update us on what you'll be finding in this week's issue. It's 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 22nd. Today we celebrate Saint Cecilia. Never mind that little to nothing is known about today's saint. Cecilia is one of the most famous and most popular saints of the early church. She is also one of the most famous of the Roman martyrs, though there is reason to doubt the details surrounding her death. We do have evidence of a late 4th century church named after her, and we do know that her feast was celebrated by the year 545. According to legend, Cecilia was a young Christian of high rank engaged to a Roman named Valerian. Through her influence, he was converted and later martyred along with his brother. Cecilia was thought to have met the same fate. Legend has it that after being struck three times on the neck with a sword, she lived for three days and asked the Pope to convert her home into a church. Since the time of the Renaissance, Cecilia has usually been portrayed in art with a viola or a small organ, The patron saint of musicians, she has become a symbol of the Church's conviction that good music is an integral part of the liturgy. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. We're so glad you're with us today. I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. And if you're off to work today, I hope it's a short work day and you get to be home with family. Johnny Aber joins us today. Hey, Johnny, good morning. Good morning. Just waiting for that turkey to thaw. That's it. Oh, David hasn't even... David hasn't even thought his turkey, and I'm a little concerned. But you know, oh, there's still time, I guess. So <laughs> I don't you know. Better get that thing out. <laughs> you better get it out of the freezer <laughs> now, Dave. Uh, yes, um, right now. Well, Peter Finney joins us today. He is our first guest. He is the general. He's the editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today, he updates us on what we'll be finding in this week's issue. Hey, Peter. Good morning. 
Good morning, Gabby. And actually, three years ago, I switched on from turkey to uh, we, we do smoked brisket, and boy, it comes out great on on mm-hmm. a. Uh, so it takes a lot of preparation. That's what I was doing this morning. I, I almost didn't answer the phone, you know, <laughs> but it's almost ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you answered the phone and taking a little bit of a 10-minute break here before you get back to the cooking festivities. But what a big yeah. issue, right? We're talking about I Give Catholic, and I kind of mentioned a little bit about it at the beginning of the show, but talk about just how it has grown uh, yes. <laughs> from where it was, what, seven, eight years ago to where it is now. It's incredible, and not many people know that the Archdiocese of New Orleans started I Give Catholic, and now it has grown to, mm-hmm. to almost 100 dioceses around the country. Uh, you think of all the thousands of churches and, and schools and other ministries uh, across the United States and even beyond in, in Canada, uh, elsewhere, that have really uh, been been blessed by uh, this, this Giving Day. And it's a, uh, it's a chance for people to, you know, think, reflect on, hey, how can I really help uh, a ministry uh, or a school that uh, that really needs you know is doing great work and uh, it's it's a really it's it's a very easy thing to do and it'll be Tuesday November twenty eighth it's always Tuesday after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and uh, of course the uh, actually the advanced giving phase is is, uh, is open right now so you can go online uh, to I Give Catholic and you can uh, you can find the ministry that you really want to support and uh, I, I know that they can use your support. Most definitely. And it's a lot of parishes rely on this 24 hour online day of giving schools, organizations. It really has helped so many people throughout the year. So I'm so glad the Clarion Herald is, is once again covering this wonderful 24 hour online day of giving. Well, let's talk about something that is quite interesting, Peter, and I'd like to know how long it's taking you. But the Clarion Herald is working toward digitizing all 60 years of its issues. Every single story. Wow. <laughs> It's, it's, it, Gabby, it's going to be a, a fantastic thing, for, especially for, for students in school or just any researchers uh, to get, you know, we, we can go online and, and, you know, find secular newspapers, but uh, to get uh, Catholic history, really, uh, this, this is what it's needed. And there are about 12, 15 uh, Catholic papers around the country uh, that are working with the Catholic Research Resources Alliance uh, to, to digitize uh, their their papers, and so uh, since 1963 is when the Clarion started, and of course it was a big broadsheet uh, paper, and all those issues were microfilmed up until about 2002 when we went to desktop publishing. So uh, it's it's uh, in, in not too distant future, uh, every issue is going to be online, and you know you can type in your name, you can type in your, your friend's name or your principal's name, and the search uh, the search will come up and, and take you to uh, that story or stories about. Uh, about that person. So it's going to be a great thing, you know, what happened with desegregation of Catholic schools in the, in the 1960s. I mean, students can really look that up and, and at, at the flip of a button. So uh, we're really excited. Uh, it's going to go live fairly soon. We don't know the exact date, but they're, they're, they're in the testing phase right now. So uh, we're, re- we're just really, really excited. And we had, uh, in, in 60 plus years, I think we were, we were missing about 150 pages out of 63,000 pages, in other words, uh, so, but we were able to, uh, we were missing seven issues since 2002, just because electronically the, the files got lost maybe during Katrina, but we were able to, to resurrect them because we have hard copies of those issues, and uh, so, uh, yeah, everything is going to be there, and it's going to be a wonderful, I think it be a wonderful asset to the, the entire Catholic community. 
I think so too. And I think it's fun to also look back and see throughout the six years how the Clarion Herald has covered um, the events, even in the city of New Orleans. Uh, right. There's a lot of history in that in itself. Uh, so quite yeah. interesting. I'm looking forward to reading those articles. Thank you so much. And honestly, Peter, I didn't know you guys have been around for 60 years. That is incredible. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a fun there's, fact there's that I just learned. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a Catholic newspaper in New Orleans since the 1840s. Uh, there was, was a French paper, oh. and then became the the Morning Star in in the early 1900s to about 1932, I believe. And then it was the Catholic Action of the South, which was the immediate pre, pre, predecessor of the Clarion Herald. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great history. Amazing. Okay, so let's talk about something else we're going to be finding in this week's issue. We're getting into a new liturgical year. It's my favorite time of the year. I love Advent and then Christmas and the Clarion Herald has a plethora of events that we can find to gather the family together for Advent and Christmas. Gabby, the families are always looking, what can we do for Christmas, you know, that would be uh, uh, edifying, but also fun. And so uh, we have a list of, uh, it may not be comprehensive, but we've asked every parish and school to give us their information. So like Christmas concert, Advent retreats or missions, um, different things like uh, breakfast with Santa, many many schools and parishes have that, but a lot of fun activities, Mm. but uh, you know, how to to prepare yourself uh, for the birth of Jesus. And uh, so we have about a four-page spread about all kind of listings about what people can do. So uh, St. Louis Cathedral has a great thing every year. They have they have a series of concerts uh, every night, uh, and we have a list of, of those. And, and, and those St. Louis Cathedral concerts are all free, you know, so it's, uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money uh, in, in many cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's something for the family really to draw together, and uh, it's a great resource to, to be able to say, hey, where can I go? There's a, there's a crush exhibit again, which is a, a beautiful thing that St. Alphonsus Parish puts on. On. They're going to do it at St. Dominic uh, Church uh, uh, this year. So uh, a lot of people just they show their crushes uh, in, in the family. So beautiful, beautiful things to do. And maybe start some new family traditions, you know, you'll see. Yeah, I love that. That's such a wonderful opportunity. And the French Quarter at Christmas time is always such a beautiful sight to see, and especially going into the cathedral. Uh, what a wonderful excuse to kind of make it over there and uh, take a look at those free events happening in there. And, uh, and the Daughters of St. Paul have a choir, and it's a bit beautiful. It's, it's December 20th. They're going to yes. have a concert uh, at Jesuit High School uh, at 6 o'clock on December 20th. And about uh, nine uh, Daughters of uh, Daughters of St. Paul will be in the choir, and it's a great concert. So uh, that would be uh, yes, it is. one thing to look at. Yes, definitely go to see the Daughters of St. Paul sing. That was, I loved it. That was such a fun concert, great for the family, and just a wonderful, wonderful time. You'll never forget it. Let's talk about, like, you, we were talking about the Daughters of St. Paul. It's a wonderful segue to our next segment. Sister Anne Flanagan, uh, she has a story in the Clarion Herald. Yeah, she's a daughter of St. Paul, and and she, you know, growing up in her family, that her her grandmother uh, and and parents they had a they had a great uh, devotion to the nine first Fridays devotion, uh, and where you you know you attend mass and for specific intentions, and she she talked about uh, what does the nine first Fridays mean to her, along with uh, tying that to the Eucharist and and to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and uh, so she has written a book actually. Uh, and it's called Come to Me, Living the Nine First Fridays. 
uh, and it's a book published by uh, Pauline Books and Media, and it's available now. And uh, it's it's a beautiful story about a New Orleans uh, a woman. She went to she went to Archbishop Chappelle High School, and uh, she became a daughter of St. Paul when she she came, became enthralled with their their publication ministry and, and spreading the faith through through the written word. And uh, so, uh, take a look. The, the book is is available now, and it's called "Come to Me: Living the Nine First Fridays." Very nice. We'll definitely be checking that out. And uh, you also have another story on uh, some a, a group of women over at St. Angela Marici, Marici Parish in, Parish in Metairie. Yes. Uh, uh, Jen Lormond, whose husband is in formation to be uh, in, in the permanent diaconate, uh, her husband had been through the, the men's program called That Man Is You. Many parishes have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of an evangelization thing for men to become spiritual leaders. She looked, uh, Jen looked around and said, there's really nothing for women that she's aware of that can do kind of a similar thing. So she and about nine other people, they got together a core group, and she said, led by the Holy Spirit, and they developed uh, a program for women. It's like an eight-week kind of scripture-sharing series, uh, and uh, they are, they're doing great guns. They had 175 people uh, join the first cohort, and they're going to be signing up for uh, a new cohort in, uh, in actually, this, this next month. It's going to start next year. So uh, it's a great women's program, and women get to talk about sisterhood and, and what, what it means to be uh, sisters in Christ. So uh, that, that's at St. Angela Marisi Parish, and people from outside the parish can join. You just have to sign up. Uh, and and make sure you uh, you know you 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 send in your information. Great. Well, that's a wonderful opportunity to gather together with uh, like-minded people and especially women. So I love that. Thank you so much, Peter, for covering that story. Where can we go to pick up our copy of the Clarion Herald and read some stories online? You can get it at Church This Weekend in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and then you can go online. It's available at clarionherald.org. Wonderful. Peter Finney, editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald, the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Peter, thank you so much for being with us and have a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Gabby. Thank you so much. All right. And uh, I want an update on how that brisket tastes. I've never heard of that before. It's always turkey or chicken, but brisket? That sounds incredible. So. With gravy. There you go. Mm. Right. Okay. It sounds like a nap is needed after like mandatory nap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Johnny, when we return from the break, you'll be talking to Dr. Stephen Dorian. Stay with us. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. Thank you so much for tuning your heart to the truth. Remember this Thanksgiving that everything is going to taste a little better with some gratitude spread all over it. Well, you know, uh, (laughs) someone also once said that the real question is whether there's life before death. But we're going to turn our tables this morning to to a topic, a very important topic. Dr. Stephen Doran joins us this morning. He is a Catholic author. He is a certified neurosurgeon, a bioethicist for the Archdiocese of Omaha, and a permanent Catholic deacon, not to mention, most importantly, I'm sure he thinks so as well, a husband and a father. And to talk about his book, To Die Well, A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to the End of Life. Good morning, Dr. Doran. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Oh, it's fantastic to be with you. So, uh, wow, you, this has got to be a very unique combination, for, uh, a very unique perspective on this topic, and it looks like you bring a lot of that, 
personal and professional experience in writing the book. So that, I guess, leads us to the first question. You know, what led you to write this book at this time, Dr. Doran? Well, thanks. Uh, good question. I, you know, I think what, what um, stirred in my heart a number of years ago was the, the recognition that um, most of the patients that I encountered who were uh, confronting the possibility or probability or, or even the inevitability of their own death or the death of a family member had really not um, considered or thought about the reality of their own mortality. And even fewer had much less contemplated or, and even fewer yet had really prayed about it. And so I saw often people were uh, thrust into this situation where they just felt unprepared, they felt overwhelmed, which is, which is a natural feeling, of course. But, but it made me think that, well, maybe there may be some way to help people in advance, either for themselves or a family member or something like that, to just um, uh, review and understand many of the moral and spiritual issues surrounding uh, death and dying from the, from the Catholic perspective. So, yeah, it was born out of just experience of seeing patients and their families struggle. Yes, and uh, so I understand the first part of the book, you do touch, start off with these tough moral decisions that uh, people need to make, you know, at that time. Maybe you can give us a few examples of, as a, from a Catholic perspective, how we can prepare for those moral decisions. I know it's tough when it comes, but there are some things, right, we can think about before this. What are the, some of those in your experience? Yeah, I think um, before, um, even before that step, I think we have to understand uh, who we are as as people, because um, that is what is the undergirding foundational principle about all these um, principles about uh, what's permissible, what's not permissible. I think it's important that um, we not see this as just a set of another rules, because if, if we don't have the, the, the spiritual and uh, undergirding of this, all we have now is a list of rules. I think we have to recall that, you know, uh, we are a as as beloved sons and daughters of, of God, we are a unified body and soul, and death is this unnatural separation when our souls depart from our bodies, and and we have the hope of the resurrection, which when we will be reunited with our souls. So that said, what if we look at some of the issues like um, uh, nutrition and hydration, or withdrawing care? You know, um, what we find is is that if we keep these principles in mind, it helps guide our decision making. Through these, through these difficult decisions because there is not a one-size-fits-all response and that there are circumstances where a certain decision might be appropriate and in other circumstances, the opposite decision may be appropriate. So, so we have to understand why we believe what we believe, which then helps guide our decision-making on, is it okay to not put a feeding tube in or should we put a feeding tube in or is it okay to withdraw a ventilator in this circumstances or no, we really should continue with care. Yeah, so so is it important? I mean, obviously, um, as family members and those taking care of those those that are kind of going through this, is this something that should be written down? Do you think? I mean, is it because I do see we do see things happening in Canada and overseas with euthanasia, things like that, where the decisions seem to be taken out of the patients and the family's hands. And uh, so, what should we do once once we kind of come talk this through and get an idea of what we should do as the as a Catholic people? How, how should we let that be known, I guess, doctor? I think the most important thing is um, what are called advanced directives. And oftentimes, if you go into the hospital, you'll be asked, do you have an advanced directive? And underneath that umbrella is two things more, but the two basic things are what's called a living will, and the other is 
called uh, Durable Power of Attorney for Healthcare, really the only document you need is a Durable Power of Attorney for Healthcare. And what that is is someone who can make decisions for you uh, if you can't make them yourself, which means you have to have a conversation with that person. And that person should right. share your faith. They should understand you. And so that they can help guide decision-making um, when you can't. Living wills, you know, a lot of people have a living will, and they can kind of be problematic, to be honest with you, because I have this idea what I think I might why, uh, want for care or don't want for care, and I'm going to write this down. I am going to want this or I don't want this. And then, but there's no way you can ever anticipate all the circumstances that might be present uh, when you're critically ill. And so you might end up um, uh, putting someone in a situation or the doctor's in a situation where they're, they're being encouraged to make a decision that's actually contrary to uh, what we believe or what you, you yourself believe because you just don't know those circumstances. So be very careful about living wills. But really what the, the most important document you need is a, a durable power of attorney for health care. That's really probably the only thing you need. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we're we're talking with Dr. Stephen Doran, and uh, neuro <clears throat> neurosurgeon, and a deacon. And we're talking about his book "To Die Well: A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to the End of Life." And so, so in your it, let's paint a picture, Dr. Doran. Uh, what does it mean from a Catholic perspective to quote die well? What is what does that look like for us? What should we hope for? Or plan for? Well, I can tell you what society hopes for, and and I'll tell you that's not necessarily what we should hope for. Society wants us to, to define a good death as one that's peaceful, pain-free, surrounded by family and loved ones. And by all means, that is good. And that's a, if that happens, that's wonderful. But that's not the measure of a good death. And the problem is, if you have that as the only measure of a good death, then you run into a natural extension of that as assisted suicide euthanasia, which wants to assure that that type of death happens, that it's going to be painless and people are going to be with you. And Again, that's a very, very good thing and a blessing if it happens, but that's not the measure of a good death in the minds of the church. Just think about it. The, who had the, the most perfect death was, was, was Jesus, right? And his death was anything but painless, and he was surrounded by enemies, and everybody abandoned him, but yet he had the most perfect death. And, and you look at the martyrs, you look at um, many of the saints who experienced isolation or the dark night, yet they had the perfect death. And, and what do I mean by the perfect, perfect death? The, 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 it's a death that is rooted in the grace of our baptism, rooted in the, 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 the knowledge, the, uh, the, sure, the sure faith that there's the hope, the hope for the resurrection, that there is heaven, that, that, that uh, God awaits us, and that we will be united with him. Um, and that's what makes a good death. Um, all the other things are... Are, are 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 great, but but that's not the mark of a good death. It's the hope for the resurrection. I would ask too. Uh, I would so this book obviously would be for everyone, but I would think in particular anyone that's in the healthcare field or uh, assisted living, helping with those who are making that move. But I wanted to ask you, from a neurosurgeon, from your background, uh, is it still? Um, appropriate or okay, I guess, acceptable for you to infuse your faith into your practice where you're praying with the family, you're praying with the patient, and being there from a spiritual standpoint in addition to a medical standpoint, is that still something that uh, you're, you're seeing and is, you're able to do? And, and, uh, or do you think that uh, this book would help those who are kind of struggling with, that, with uh, how to make sure that they can do that? Well, I would say that... Um, um 
I think for those who who compartmentalize their faith and their job and have it two different things, they're missing out, missing out for themselves and missing out for their patients. And so the ability to bring uh, Christ into a, in a situation of suffering is enriches that experience as a blessing for all. Now you have to be careful. You have you don't want to intrude. You don't want to uh, proselytize. But it's really easy. Sometimes you'll get a, just a tiny little opening. Some will say, "Oh." I'm yeah. praying for you or whatever. And that's the time, that's the door that opens up to, to bring Jesus into that situation. Oh, thank you, Dr. Dorian. Where can we get a copy of the book? Ignatius Press, I understand, correct? Yep, Ignatius Press, uh, Amazon are, are the two main out, uh, outlets right now. Well, thank you so much for this gift, Dr. and Deacon. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, you too. Thank you very much, Johnny. All righty. Well, stay with us. More on doctors just ahead. It is 48 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth real quick. I want to wish my mom a very happy birthday today. I hope today is fabulous for you. And I hope that it's just such a special day. So she deserves the world. But yeah, happy birthday to you today. Well, Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. And honestly, I wish we had more time with Dr. Haddad because he always has some wonderful insights on what we can learn about our faith during our Catholic 101 segment. Dr. Haddad is a professor of dogmatic theology over at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans and the president of the St. Louis IX Art Society. And today we are talking about the church doctors. Who are they? Why do we have them? Really getting down to the basics. Dr. Haddad, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Gabby. It's good to be here. Happy Thanksgiving yeah. Eve. Happy, Yeah, happy Thanksgiving Eve to you, too. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful day tomorrow with your beautiful family. It's always a wonderful time. But today we're talking about something quite interesting, and I'm, I'm glad that you're diving into this topic of the church doctor. So what are your insights? Yeah, so um, doctors of the church are... Um, are a really important part of our tradition for a number of different reasons. You know, they really are guiding, shining lights when it comes to helping us to better understand our faith, you know, God's own self-revelation to us, and, and the many different sort of implications that it has for all of our lives. Um, the, that the English word doctor that we use um, comes from the Latin word docere, which means to teach. And so that term doctor which we use in a number of different ways today, originally means, means a teacher. And while there are saints that have been medical doctors, and so it could be in general called doctors of the church, really what we mean by that term doctors of the church are particular saints who, due to their eminence and doctrine and theological and spiritual insight, um, have been formally recognized by the church as offering a sort of unsurpassed expression and articulation of our Catholic faith, right? What God has divinely revealed to us for the sake of our salvation. And through their research and their writing and their study, and, and, and most importantly because of their sanctity, they have really advanced the Church's knowledge of our faith in such a way that their manner of articulating it and expressing it has become a model for us. And so doctors of the Church, we have 37 of them which have been recognized up till today, and they include theologians and philosophers and even scientists and poets and mystics and reformers and even the unlearned, right, all from the universal church of both East and West. And so they really are, 
you know, it's a, they're like a wonderful just microcosm of the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, you know, the church at her best when it comes to our ability to, to really think about the faith and articulate it and understand it and, and thus live better in accordance with it. Yeah, you make some great points. So how does one become a doctor of the church? So there's three conditions that um, the church sort of outlines for being named a doctor of the church. And maybe some people might add a couple more, but at the, at the, the baseline of it, it's, it's someone who is of, of imminent holiness, so a saint, and, and really a saint among saints in many ways. Uh, it's someone who, who, who has a, a, really, um, a, a real talent and a real ability to, to express insights into the faith. So whether that's through, through, through study and through research, like a great Thomas Aquinas or St. Albert the Great, mm-hmm. or whether it's through someone whose life has been so conformed to the truth that they have a, a, a real substantive Christian instinct and intuition for the faith someone like a St. Therese of Lisieux, right, or St. Teresa of Avila, or St. John of the Cross, you know, tremendous spiritual masters of the faith. And so it's someone who has a real insight into the faith and the ability to express it, and then someone who has been recognized and put forward by the Church as a model mm-hmm. for us. Um, and so the Church is really, you know, it's not to say that this person, that everything this person has written is, is, is perfect and free from error, but but the church puts them forward before us as someone who can be imitated and turned to for for real insight in matters when it comes to the spiritual life and when it comes to better understanding what God has divinely revealed. Um, so there's, I mentioned before, there's 37 doctors of the church. And mm-hmm. um, at first, you know, we the this sort of tradition began by recognizing the four big doctors of the West, people like St. Ambrose and St. Augustine, Gregory the Great and St. Jerome, and then later sort of the four great doctors of the East, people like St. Basil the Great, St. John Chrysostom, and so on. And then, just to give you a little Doctor of the Church trivia, um, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that group was sort of expanded in the Middle Ages and into the modern period, and it was a recent as in the 1970s, so just about 50 years ago, we began to get our first female doctors of the Church. So St. Wow. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, St. Hildegard of Bingen, those were our four female doctors of the church. And then just in the last eight years, we've added two more doctors, St. Gregory mm-hmm. of Narek, who's an Armenian poet and monk. And then just last year, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who Pope Francis elevated to the status of doctor of the church. And what's, in- what's interesting about him is that he's actually the oldest of the doctors of the church, but the newest at the same time. So he is um, the one who is life is closest to that of Christ and the apostles, being a disciple of, of, of a disciple of, of, um, of Christ. But he is also the one who has only most recently been named. So it took him the longest of the bunch. That's amazing. Well, compared to how many saints our church uh, celebrates and, and with the saint of the day every day, there's so many of them, but there's only 37 doctors of the church. That's not many. You know, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing how this continues on and, and who else becomes a doctor of the church. But thank you so much for 
given us that little insight and like you said, a little bit of Catholic trivia on that as well. I've definitely learned something new today. Thank you so much, Dr. Jordan Haddad, professor of dogmatic theology at Notre Dame Seminary and president of the St. Louis the Ninth Art Society. Uh, where can we go to learn more about you and what you do over at the seminary and St. Louis the Ninth Art Society? Sure. So for the seminary, follow us on social media, Notre Dame Seminary. And then with the Art Society, um, you know, we're on social media as well. But if you go on our website, sl9art.com, you can give us your email address and you can, we'll send you a monthly newsletter to give you updates on the world of sacred art in South Louisiana. It'll be the, the best, Perfect. most beautiful email you get you get all month. <laughs> it really will. And such talent, too, in our area. Thank you so much, Jordan, okay. and have a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You as well. Take care, Gabby. Thank you. Wow. My goodness, Johnny, what a jam-packed show full of information. Um, I love Dr. Haddad's segments, Catholic one. Yes, definitely. St. E. Renee says he's still converting people with his writings. Uh, with the RCIA, oh we goodness. talk about him all the time. Well, Gabby, I thought we would go out with this reflection from uh, Abraham Lincoln, who proclaimed Thanksgiving as a holiday back in 1863 with these powerful oh. words that almost seem like a closing prayer to me. But here, the, here it is. Are you ready? All right. Yes. Abraham Lincoln said, quote, the year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and even soften the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy." Unquote. So let's wow. pray today. Oh Lord, may we never forget the source of all of our blessings. May you soften our hearts, and may we receive you even more, particularly through the Blessed Sacrament, from which all graces flow to us, your people. May we rightly fit the description of being a Eucharistic people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Happy Thanksgiving to all. All right, Dagat? Happy Thanksgiving to you. We will not have a show this Thursday, tomorrow, and Friday. We will return back on Monday. Have a happy Thanksgiving and a wonderful break. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.